Hello, everybody. Welcome to Depth of Field. I'm your host, Penny Della Santos, and I have an incredible guest today. His name is Jonathan Finlayson. I'm going to let him introduce himself, if that's cool. That's fine with me. I am Jonathan Finlayson, as Penny said. I'm a trumpet player and composer, professional musician. I'm living in New York City, and I've been here for the better part of 20-some-odd years at this point. Professional trumpet player, yeah. jazz musician, yeah. tours around the world. All the above. How many albums? Or how many albums have you played on? I don't know. But I have three under my own name. There's a ton on your website. And you started playing the trumpet. You're from Berkeley, California. Oak- Oakland. Oakland, California. And you discovered the trumpet at an early age, 10. Yeah, I started, I started playing... I was 10 years old, and I had just enrolled in a new school that had mandatory music on, I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays. So through uh, a bit of procrastination, I ended up playing the trumpet. Availability. Oh, so that was the instrument that was left, and they were like, looks like you're playing Yeah, this. pretty much, yeah. Wow. And here you are still playing it. Who knew, right? Who knew? I didn't know at the time. So you ended up falling in love with it. Yeah. And made it your life's passion. Yeah, I I think around the age of 14, I was pretty certain that I was going to play music. When I first met you, our mutual friend described you as Uh-oh. a uh, like an, a, a childhood prodigy with the trumpet. Sure. I don't think of myself like that, but I was good at an early age. I exhibited something mm-hmm. at an early age. I only know this because we just talked about it, but you were tapped right out of high school to go to college. Like you had the director of the program, here you play, and then they offered you. Yeah, that. And also I started playing with Steve Coleman when I was 18 years old. Yeah. I started doing gigs with him when I was 18 and then I started touring at the age of 19. And I've been doing it ever since. So you've been around musicians your whole life, basically. Yeah, starting around about the age of 12, 13. Was your family musically inclined? No. Well, I can't say no, but they, I guess my dad, <laughs> he'd like to think he was a pianist at some some point, but he didn't play, but he had a piano. So that was that was a big deal. So there was a piano at his house. And my mother is very musical, but she doesn't play any instruments. Maybe a little bit of piano, mm. I think. But. So there you were just belting out the trumpet in the back bedroom. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. The only person in your family to pursue something like this? I'm certainly the only musician at this point. I have, she's like my cousin, but we're not technically blood related, but she's an opera singer. But her father and my father are best friends. Okay. So we're like essentially in her family and in my family, like, like two anomalies. Hmm. Yeah. And you grew up together. Mm-hmm. Wow. So for me, as, as a photographer who has been doing this my whole life, not as long as you, but probably picked up the camera in high school, first in high school, and I'm still photographing, still, you know, a visual storyteller. And I struggle with keeping the passion alive sometimes, uh, making it feel fresh or having a fresh approach. Do you deal with any of that? Having been doing this for so long, playing music, writing music, Mm. performing, how do you keep the passion alive? 
one of the the aspects about playing trumpet is that it requires constant attention. So you have to practice every day. If you want to be able to speak clearly and get your ideas out and feel like you have the facility to do so, if you want them to be like in a zone where you feel like you can access things and play things, you have to, you have to practice every day. So most often I'm practicing the trumpet. Sometimes I miss days or if, you know, things happen, life happens, but for the most part, I'm practicing most days so I can be ready and able to, to access ideas and to play music. And if someone calls me at the last minute to play something, et cetera. So that's one part of it. That's one aspect of just dealing with the instrument. But then like the passion or the, the drive, I guess, I find that that's more tied to like the people I'm around, the, the inspiring things I see here or get to do. That that's seeing art or participating in like a very inspiring like musical like event playing some new music or someone just dropping some new music on me etc and just being around people and having like really great conversations like this those are the things that kind of keep me wanting to create things you know it's like positioning putting yourself in in the spaces and mm-hmm. the places to keep inspired so you practice every day. I'm not gonna lie, I I usually do if things are going well. But as I've gotten older and life gets more difficult and more complex, I don't get to do it every day. But I'd say if things are like stable and, and normal, I'm typically I'll practice like two or three hours a day, if not more. Wow, that's amazing. That does make perfect. <laughs> uh it's keeps your chops. It's, yeah, it's just just the trumpet is such a funny answer but it's just maintenance maintenance and maintenance and then you can once you get that out of the way then you can make music but you have to steadily do this maintenance it's so the the music happens after the maintenance yeah i mean i I think there's definitely a parallel or like i've been (laughs) trying to figure out ways to make the maintenance musical but (laughs) but yeah you can let's get the maintenance out of the way that's cool I admire that. I should practice photography every day. I mean, I'm touching photography in some way every day, but am I, am I out, you know, practice, you know, working on my chops? Not necessarily, but it would make sense that, but I feel like I've laid enough groundwork that it's, you know, it is second language for sure. I don't think it, there's any like, um, musculature parallel that requires you to like touch the camera every day. Whereas this is just like, it's just dealing with facial muscles. Mm. But I do think there is, I do think seeing is about, you know, you have to get out of your own way to see. I think it's very similar to music. You have to really have to get yourself in that space. I agree with you. I can hear where you're coming from. I got a question for you. Is seeing as a practice, do you think it's something that you don't need the camera for? Do you think? I think you do. Okay. I do. I mean, that's, that's a great question. I don't think you need the camera, but I do think looking at what you have photographed, taking the time to bring the camera and practicing mm-hmm. your seeing is imperative because I think then you can look at your images and you can, you can identify what you didn't get, kind of learn from maybe how you didn't see the, 
how you didn't see the space, you didn't see the moment, why it didn't work. You can reflect back on it after looking at what you did capture, you know, and there's growth in that without a doubt, especially if somebody else is looking at them with you, right? It's like a day's work. Yeah. Just doing this on a course. Or photographing one particular event or something or a portrait or something. So you keep the passion alive by spending time with like-minded people or people that inspire you. Things or things. Photography. Participating in things. Practicing, finding new music I really like. Like earlier, I was practicing this piece on piano because I thought it was really lovely. And someone sent me a score from the, the, the composer. And so I was taking the time to, to learn it. And that brings me great joy. Mm, it was beautiful. Just to see how it was put together and how he thought the voicing should go. and Just the whole, whole thing. Because before that, I would listen to the song and I'd really admire it. And I guess at some point I might have tried to figure out how to play it, but it's much nicer to just have this piece of music. It's really challenging. Pianistically, the voicings are large. So, Yeah, I was trying to figure out what you were doing because you were playing the same thing on your trumpet. Yeah. And then you went to the piano. Uh-huh. And what was that? Is it, what was that practice? I very quickly made a transcription not a transcription, but a um, transposition for myself. And I was checking all the accidentals. So, so is, is that like where you, you, play, you play the trumpet and then you, you're... So I, someone gave me the score for piano and then I made a part for trumpet. But a, I see. the trumpet's a transposing instrument. So I have to change the key. Oh, interesting. I was just making sure I did it correctly. So I was just like checking one part against the other. So that's why you were playing it on the piano yeah. to hear well, all the piano part is correct. I wasn't sure. I might have. I was double checking the accident. Oh, interesting. On the trumpet part, yeah. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is how do you put yourself in the mindset to perform or practice or compose? Is there anything you do to get in that headspace? Do you have a routine or performance? No, unless it's something I have. I'm like nervous about, but. That's rare at this point. I just do it. I don't really get in the headspace. But it also, I guess it's the, the requirements of the music make a difference, I think. I'm reading a lot of music, and I want to, I guess, breathe a little bit and just get relaxed. If I'm improvising, I just want to be clear-headed. I think overall, just be clear-headed when you arrive. Practicing, and just... Make sure I carve out time. Yeah. There's no really space. There's no space you try to get your head in or even even physically. Well, if, if I want to practice something physical, so to speak, like um, demanding, let's just get, get ready. But a lot of it is like the review before I do it on the trumpet to mm-hmm. make sure I'm, I'm hearing the passage that I'm playing, or I'm going to play, or the exercise, A2, et cetera. Composing's different. That one, for me, I need to be in a space. It's got to be, I don't know, quiet. I like the, the early morning or the late night. I like to feel a little bit of fuzzy, I guess. And then that seems to get it going. Hmm. Alone. <laughs> a nice warm beverage, tea, coffee, something like that. You know? A very clear space 
pencils. Lamp light, typically. I like that. Like a single, you know, that gets me into it. I don't know if it's like a romanticized thing, but I just, I like that. Maybe, no. maybe a candle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. It's like when I got, arrived at your house, there was like, it was already, it was, the, the photograph was being prepared for me, you know, like you had the incense burning, you had the light, you had the blinds open, so this beautiful light was streaming in. Yeah. good too. Yeah. Smells. All that stuff. So there's a little bit of a practice. Well, you practice, but there's a little bit of um, a method when you're composing. There's a little bit of, of a place where you prepare yourself to work. Yeah, I think it's more or less like the, just making sure the environment is conducive so that you're not like bothered by anything else. You can just have kind of like a singular focus. And is this something that you do? This is what I'm doing today, or does it does it sometimes just strike you? Oh. I need, I need to just go do this for a little bit. Something's coming up for me. This is more so when I want to create an like environment and it, so that I can like let the ideas come. Okay. But sometimes you just have to do it. It's different. It's like, if I'm going to work on this down, then all that stuff goes out the window. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you're just kind of creating a space in, in, in that instance where, you know, you can just let your, your ideas come. Yeah. They can be heard. I just, I think there's so many parallels in being a creative person. And I think that's one of them is preparing yourself to be creative. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that a lot of people talk about. Um, so I'm always interested to find out how people prepare themselves to get in that space, you know? You know, you can also take a little help sometimes to chew on some. Yeah, that's true too. That helps. Yeah. I used to, and I still do, but I don't, I don't do it as much, but I used to look at photo books. Before I go out on a shoot, I would just like open up my favorite, you know, whatever photo book I had on hand, and I would just look at the photos. Sure. And allow them to inspire me or just like realize, you know, wow, they're really working their angles or wow, they're really thinking about the shadows, thinking about the light. And I'll try to remember those ideas when I go into a photo shoot and just kind of keep your. I guess all those ideas that create great images or all the ways in which you unlock your mind for seeing. For me, that was one of them, looking at other people's pictures and just allowing them to influence how I might see on my next assignment or whatever. Yeah. Does that relate any way to your work? Sure. Yeah, I listen to them, the greats. Sure. Compositions I like. I mean, that one, that one in particular I was playing earlier was something I was like, man. You asked me, was it one of mine? I was like, I, I wish. No, uh. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. It was very emotional. Yeah, it's a gorgeous piece. I listened to the, yeah, the greats, the great composers, whoever that is to you, know, you but I know who it is to me. Hmm. Uh, listen to their examples, certainly before. And it's also, it's one of those things, they, they calm me, they inspire me, they calm me, you know, they... They are examples. Mm. So definitely. It's, I mean, that's, see, that's like a parallel looking at a photo book. Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever a moment where your passion for music and playing the trumpet feels like a job? Does it ever feel like a job? More often than not, it doesn't feel like a job. Like, I'm usually, I've been very lucky. Certain times, if I'm doing a gig I don't like, which is very rare. And then you find yourself thinking, like, yeah, 
my God, I have another set to go or something. (laughs) That's rare. Yeah. That's very rare. That is rare. It's That's incredible. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. It's generally a very pleasurable experience, pregnancy. And I'm usually very thankful for every opportunity. Again, I feel like I've been very lucky as a, a musician, as an artist, especially not having to, I don't know, music's so sacred it's just weird to for me to think of it as a job mm-hmm. i mean i know i'm going out sure. to work but at the same time the music that i play it I, it never feels like work that's beautiful mm. that is incredible i generally feel like i said very lucky so yeah is there any advice that you would offer people out there who might be listening who whatever they're doing in the creative world is there any kind of advice you'd offer them if they're experiencing some sort of like creative block or maybe just not where they want to be on their path? Oof. Who's to say I'm not in one right now? <laughs> it's true. Uh, well, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I think I, I go through them all the time. That's why I started this podcast. I was deep in one and questioning. But this has actually helped me feel very thankful. And very lucky. I guess one of the ways to step away from whatever it is you are doing, it can't seem counterintuitive. Even for me to say that, being someone that plays the trumpet, because I have taken the breaks away from playing it, it's not a good thing. Just pauses, maybe like... Just pauses. Taking a week off or two weeks. Yeah. But it does allow you to kind of hit reset and then... When you approach it again, remember why you loved it, what it is about it, or even in that process of like having to reacclimate yourself with the instrument, you find like there's things that are like, oh yeah, I needed to touch upon this. I needed to make this stronger. I always wanted to learn how to do this. I need to, you know, work on this aspect of of the instrument only because Mm. it's a little humbling when you reapproach the instrument. Or whatever it is you're doing, the thing, you have to knock the dust off, so to yeah. speak. I always look at it, one of my parallels is like a, a training camp for boxers, you know, who haven't fought in like a year. It's like coming back and getting these reflexes back, getting, getting, knocking, they call it ring rust, so to speak. And it's, I feel like if I haven't composed in a while or if I took a break from practicing, it's just this knocking off the dust so to speak. But you also get to reevaluate your position with these things and you know what it is you want to do, how you want to do it this time, this approach. So stepping away for me, the big one was the pandemic, of course. Uh, it's kind of amazing, wasn't it? it yeah, yeah. I mean, in the, in, the, in the moment, we were all kind of fraught, but it was pretty awesome to just not... <laughs> To not have to worry about work, really. I mean, because you couldn't. Because you couldn't. You know? Yeah. And then we were all just left in our minds. <laughs> yeah. But, but it forced us to connect in other ways, which was pretty cool. It certainly did. And I experienced a range of emotions dealing with music during the pandemic. And, you know, like, serious, like, existential questions. Like, am I going to play music again ever mm. outside of this will it happen again am i going to continue to play music what does the future look like for 
participating in things musically after this. So it's like, if I can't do it with people, I was like, I definitely don't want to do anything via Zoom. <laughs> so how'd you get through it? You just kind of... I stopped playing for a little bit. I think there was like a month where I didn't, I didn't play. I guess that was a period when it was like, okay, let's start practicing again. Like, that was weird. That one was weird. And I remember I did something online. And even so, I was a little despondent. Like, I didn't want to do it. I did some concerts. Thank God for Roulette in Brooklyn. They're a fantastic organization, performance space in Brooklyn. I did two live stream concerts. But by then, I was, I was over whatever I was feeling. I was, yeah. I was back to practicing and stuff like that. But those like first couple months, it was just like, I don't feel like doing something. It's ridiculous. I was also feeling something that I think a lot of people were feeling was that you had all this work lined up and then it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. And you were just like, I was like eager to do all these things and go to these places. And then all of a sudden, it's put the kibosh on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a big bummer. Yeah. Like you were saying, wasn't it amazing? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was amazing, but I think it was, it wasn't a, it was a, it was a break that I wouldn't have taken yeah. if I hadn't, you know, been forced to. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe it wasn't amazing, but. Yeah. It's a strong choice of word. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrong word. Delete that word. <laughs> but it was, you know, that'll hopefully never happen again. But yeah, I mean, once in a lifetime experience that we all shared together i think that's what was so unique about it certainly an opportunity of some sort yeah what was your experience like well it was dead i mean there was no work <laughs> i did do some remote photo shoots where the client would dial in via zoom or some other kind of like streaming service where they could you know see and approve the images as they were being made you know tweak this tweak that i taught a few classes I forget. Oh, cool. Uh, friends who have like university positions, I, I teach their class for like a day. Oh, cool. Their ensemble or something like that. I did that a few times. I forgot about that. That was cool. That was yeah. a little bit of interaction. Yeah. But I was just kind of remote. So I wanted to ask you one more question, and that is, how can people find out more about you? Is there anything, you know, anything else you want to let people know so that they, they can find you, learn more about you. I have a website with limited information on it, uh, jonathanfinlayson.com. I have an Instagram, J-O-N-Y-F-I-N. Johnny Finn? Yeah, Johnny Finn. And you're touring? Yes, I am. Uh, I play in New York here and there. But yeah, I work a lot outside of the city. But between like the Instagram and the website, that's like, or my calendar kind of is your calendar is your calendar up to date it has all your all, what you're doing in france in the next few weeks it could be more up to date it will be more up to date okay but I, I try to keep it you know at least until like the next four months so cool jonathan finlayson it's been incredible i know that there are beautiful jewels of advice and wisdom it's nice to talk to you i love i love that you can walk away from your passion and take breaks and be okay. 
sometimes I forget it's okay to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't always feel okay when I do it, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it yeah, it always works out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for being here. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to Depth of Field. I'm your host, Penny De Los Santos, and um, I just appreciate everybody listening and supporting this. I hope you're getting something out of it as well. Have a great day.